Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny and Lee. I'm Benny and he's Lee. You can follow me at KYB Ball King on Twitter. You can follow Lee at Lee Wiglars. Lee, how's it going out in Paducah today? I hope better than here. <laughs> hey, Benny, I'm good. Uh, we've got a little wind, but a beautiful day. Spent some time outdoors and actually shot a little basketball today. So it's, it's great here. I, I hope you guys catch a little bit of this before the rain comes in. But uh, Western Kentucky, we're, we're, we're bright and shining and are starting to come in, but uh, what a week for Kentucky basketball. I hope you're doing good today. Well, I hope that it's sounding better on their end than it is my end already. I'm really starting to get irritated with this, but you're breaking up something awful. I don't know if it's where you're at or or if it's just the blog talk again, but it's really starting to get on my last third. But I'm glad to have everybody in tonight, and I hope things are going well. We've had a wild weekend here. Got the internet up and going about, oh, 20 minutes ago. And I didn't know if we were even going to be able to have a show. But it's good to be here, and I'm glad to, I'm glad everybody's tuning in. And uh, Cats had a good week, I thought. We're going to start off with the uh, Mississippi State game and the SEC Player of the Year, Richie Perry, who E.J. Montgomery pretty much shut down. I was really impressed with E.J.'s game, but at the same time, then he came back with a stinker on the Tennessee game. But – I think it's going to take baby steps here and there, but EJ's looking. You know, it's one of those two guys, and I think they will. EJ or or uh, Keon steps up and starts rebounding the ball because, look, I was watching a championship game, or actually that's a Final Four game between Louisville and Kentucky in 2012, and I thought to myself, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this is a poor man's. 2012 is what it is, but we're also it's a poor it's a poor man's college basketball 2012. So that being said, Nick Richards he can kind of be like Anthony Davis in blocking shots and affecting. Anthony affected so many shots, but Nick does too. But I mean, I'm not comparing the two as far as talent because Anthony Davis is far superior. But then you take Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and I'm thinking Keon. Or EJ one can be a poor man's Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And if you take a look at Ashton Hagens, he is a hundred percent on the same lines as Marcus Teague. Now, can Johnny Juzang be the Darius Miller? That's what I'm hoping for. What do you think, Lee? I, I agree with you on Johnny Juzang. I think his is possible, you know, to be a Darius Miller type player. And I think the key is, you know, what can EJ Nick Sestina and Keon Brooks bring to the table as one unit, as one player. You know, their total line 
is what, what's going to be key for Kentucky right now. Johnny Juzang is an X factor. And, and you know, yesterday against Tennessee. And we're, we're seeing consistent play. i tell you what, Emmanuel, quickly, this just jumped to IQ because, man, this guy is rating his stock level game to game. And Nick Richards, is, is he's showing consistency, and, and that's all he has to show. And, you know, I called in and I talked to talked to Rex Chapman yesterday and Buzz Baker, and, you know, they, they agreed that what the media sees are just not a trust. They, they want to see the consistency with Nick. And I think we're starting to see, you know, he had an off game against Auburn that was due to foul trouble. But when Nick avoids foul trouble, he's giving his numbers. I mean, he's close to double-double. not a double-double. You know, yesterday he had a little bit of foul trouble. But, but, I, but I think that, you know, once again, I think it still goes back to what can combine what Nick Sestina Next, Steen, excuse me, EJ Montgomery and Keon Brooks give us, you know, as a stat line. They're they're playing as one guy, but what can they do as a unit? And, and we're starting to see Keon. I think Keon's ready to bust out of his shell. I think EJ is just still, you know, trying to figure the game out. And 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 just to go back to your comparison to Anthony Davis and Nick Richards, still think about this, folks. Nick Richards is still figuring basketball out. He learned late. He, his ceiling's high. Can he be an Anthony Davis? It, the potential's there. But the only advantage Anthony Davis had over Nick Richards is he was a guard, and he shot up in high school. He gained his height. And so he could handle a basketball a lot better. He had great hands, and he had the outside shot. He learned the inside game as a big man. So, you know, Nick's not ever going to be an Anthony Davis, but Nick's going to be a really good big man in the NBA. Exactly, and I wasn't comparing him to Anthony Davis. I was just saying he gives this team the poor man's version of Anthony Davis. And when you affect those shots, like I was watching that little game, and you know that was one hell of an offensive rebounding team that year, but they actually got destroyed. I didn't realize that until I watched it again. They got destroyed on the glass by Louisville, and they won that game. They won that game with – Actually, Marcus Teague, you know, one of the unsung heroes of of Kentucky basketball. In the beginning of that game, he he scored a lot, and he kind of he kind of calmed everybody down. And when Anthony Davis got going, I can remember thinking, you know, my memory's not as good as it used to be. As as good as Anthony Davis is for the Lakers and 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 the Pelicans. What he didn't give us any of that offensively, but I actually seen it in that Louisville game. He did actually. He was just so selfless, and Cal taught him to be so selfless that uh, he he played he played for the the championship, and that's exactly what he needs to do this year with the Lakers. And I was talking to someone yesterday that I thought the Lakers were missing a wing defender, and I seen I saw yesterday that the. Uh, the Hornets bought Michael Kidd Gilchrist out, and I thought, man, they ought to sign that boy because he can defend like no other. He had, he's not very good offensively, honestly. We can say that because in college he could drive his rim, but in the NBA you got some you got some major beasts down there inside. But but Michael Kidd Gilchrist is a you got a winner's mentality, and he'll do what it takes to win. And I'm not dogging Kuzma, but Kuzma's not ready just yet to take on that role of, of being a shutdown defender. Right. And, 
And what you're saying about Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I mean, what a compliment that would be to Anthony Davis. I mean, two guys that play together and, and have chemistry together and know each other well. And, and you're right. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is one of those guys. He's, and we're talking about poor man, but poor, poor man's game, poor man's team, our mentality to me, and what Benny's saying, it's blue collar, folks. It's getting down in the dirt and doing the nitty gritty. And, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist is going to do everything there. I mean, that guy is a battler. And, and his shortcomings, he finds ways to still win. And Benny said that. I mean, he's a winner. He, he's going to find a way to win. And defensively, man, he's tough. And, you know, it, it, and it's a shame because a lot of people don't look at him as having a successful NBA career. I mean, he's not probably – he won't make the Hall of Fame. But, you know, and then go back to Marquise Teague. I'll tell you what, his brother Jeff great, was a great point guard. And I, I don't know if even Jeff's still playing or not. But to me, Marquise Teague – and just like you said, Benny, a real unsung hero. But, you know, a point guard is the guy that, that leads the team. He's the quarterback of the team, and he directs the team and guides the team. And Marquise Teague, man, you're right. I mean, a very unsung hero. And to me, to this day, he's still one of the best point guards Kentucky ever had. And I wish we could have had him, you know, held on to him longer to just see what his potential could have been. And would that have made a difference for him in his NBA career and making it in the NBA? I don't know. But – you know, we, we'll never know. I mean, you know, he left early too, and sometimes I think these guys get in a rush and leave too early and, and maybe could pick up a few things and learn. But still, you're right. He he was an unsung hero. And, and Michael K. Gilchrist, you know, I'm glad that you brought this team up because it's still one of my favorite Kentucky teams of all time. Well, I was I was going through YouTube yesterday, and I thought, well, I'm going to watch this game cause, because I'm missing that part of my – I mean, you know – I'm 43 years old, and we've had a few teams like that. But it's it's rare, it's far and few in between. And people need to to understand the fact that, that – and, and I know there's so many people that tell me, they say awful things about how I feel about Calipari, let me tell you. But I think Calipari gives us a shot every year. And every time I think about him leaving, I get sad because I was thinking about that the other day. I think I even tweeted about it with very few responses because nobody wants to deal with that. Who would replace him? And I'm sitting here thinking, there's one guy on the whole damn list of actual experienced head coaches that I would want, and I don't think he would come, and that's Billy Donovan. That's one guy I would want. But there is a guy I would want that's behind Calipari, and people say, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not crazy because Kenny Payne can flat-out recruit and I believe he can flat-out coach. And I think a lot of times it gets lost in the shuffle that Joe B. Hall was an assistant coach at Radoff Rupp. And Joe B. done a hell of a job. People can say what they want to say. How many coaches not named Rupp have two championships in Kentucky? I can tell you. Zero. And that's the Man, whole thing. Still there? Is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still here. Can I thought you I lost you. Yeah, I thought I lost you. Go right ahead. No, I, I agree I just... with you on Ken Payne. But I'll tell you what, I, I don't agree with you on Billy Donovan. I think, to me, Billy Donovan doesn't want the job. And I, I don't want a coach at Kentucky that doesn't want to be there. Because Billy Donovan had that opportunity, and he's passed on it. And to me, Billy Donovan – he did a good job at Florida, don't get me wrong, but I just don't think Billy Donovan's a fit at Kentucky. I really don't. 
you know, and you may be right, but I'm just saying as far as the coaches with experience out there that I see, I don't want an Izzo. And Coach K ain't coming. I don't want him anyway because he's as fake as fake can be. I hate that SOB. That's just how I feel about it. And We'd never get – And I, I hear a lot about Chris Beard, but I don't care much for Chris Beard because I don't think Chris Beard can handle the other things that come with being a Kentucky basketball coach. Well, well, I'm getting ready to tell you something very interesting because, you know, when when we when we hired Billy Gillespie, you know, John Calipari was considered then. And after Tubby was done, we you know, John Calipari's name was mentioned a couple times. And I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't even sold on John Calipari. I thought, no way. I don't want that guy at Kentucky. I don't think he'd be a good fit at Kentucky. But after Billy Gillespie... And that that uh, travesty, let's just call it that. You know, when it came time to replace Billy Gillespie, I said, "You got to get John Calipari. That is the guy. That's the guy." And what he did at Memphis proved to me that he could bring these guys in there, and and it just didn't to me it didn't seem like a fit when it was when he had the opportunity to come to Kentucky. But the second time after Billy Gillespie, I said, "That's the guy." And really, I don't know what changed with me, but what John Calipari showed me he could do with young talent in his recruiting, I said, man, we got to have that guy. He's fresh. He brings a new game to the table. I loved his dribble drive offense. It was exciting. It it, it was fun to watch. And and that, that sold me on him. And, you know, look what we've got. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, we, we all know, I mean, there's, there's going to come a time when John Calipari hangs it up. And I'll be honest with you, I can't think of one guy out there right now that I want to coach Kentucky. I don't have a guy. I don't have a guy, but I'm going to have to find a guy, and we're going to find a guy because we know at some point in time, John Calipari is going to say I'm done. Yeah, I agree. What did you think about, and here's my thing, the Knicks thing, what did you think about that? I was a little bit worried because I hired two of his best friends. I thought, I thought this might be the time for him to go because, you know, you see the negativity. And people say there isn't a lot of negativity, but I'm going to tell you something. I experience it every day. I know I know eight to ten people that want him gone. I have a Kentucky basketball fans that I know. Which don't get me wrong, I know probably hundreds of Kentucky basketball fans. But eight or ten people, that, that seems like a lot for what he's done. And I'm just thinking – who really wants to follow that? And does the fan base itself hurt us in the long run for coaching? Because who wants to follow what he's done and, and, and know that it's not good enough in some of these people's eyes? Well, and Benny, you touched on it last week. And, you know, and I don't like to bring this up over and over again, and but I think there's still some racism, racism things going on there with – you know, the one-and-done talent and, and John Calipari not recruiting in-state. And I really think there are a lot of people in Big Blue Nation in Kentucky that think John Calipari is ruining Kentucky basketball. And to well, me, I'll say that this. is – They're idiots. That's a part They're of absolute the idiots. And I don't care, you know, it's not a popularity reason why I do this. I do this because I love Kentucky basketball. I don't care if I'm popular. That's like the Michael Vick thing. 
yes, Michael Vick done some things really wrong. He should have never done that with the dogs. But I was telling somebody the other day, I grew up in Kentucky, and actually it was in Jeffersonville, Kentucky, and right down the road from where I lived was a chicken fighting ring that have that would have a uh, hundred, you know, ten, fifteen thousand people in there at any given time fighting chickens, betting hundreds of thousands yep. of dollars, of thousands of dollars, and they got busted and confiscated like six hundred thousand dollars when they got busted. And I'm just saying. That's, that stuff is a learned behavior, and Michael, I don't know if anybody watched the thirty for thirty, but and I'm not, I'm not saying that what Michael Vick did was wrong. I think he should have paid. I think he should have paid with, you know, just like anyone else would pay. But I also think, had that been Peyton Manning, he would have paid a fine, and he wouldn't have been able to own a dog, and that would have been about all he was done with it. And I think it's time to get past all this, people. I mean, I don't want this show well, to become about that. But I think it's time to get past that. When you see guys getting shot that have their concealed carrier's license just because they're black, I mean, and I'm as I'm as conservative as conservative can be when it comes to politics. But I'm just I'm leaning I'm more toward the middle than anything. But right now I can't find a suitor in either party, and I, I know we're, this is not a political show, but I'm just saying racism is the most stupid thing. That I've ever seen in my life, in my lifetime, and I actually threw a blind eye to it for so many years. And here in the last few years, I've started to say, you know, all these things that they're saying is absolutely true because they they ruined Michael Vick's career pretty much over the dog fight. And and I agree that dogs. I love dogs. I've got three in there right now. I'm sure you guys can hear them. And I think the world of all three of them. But I'm also not stupid enough to sit here and say that people are not out there fighting dogs right now. That doesn't make it right, but it's just how it is. Yeah, and it, and it did, and you, you know, you said Michael Vick should have paid. It, well, he did pay. He paid with an NFL career, and he's tainted for life. And There's no one that believes in uh, humane treatment of animals more than me. I'm a pet owner, and I love animals, and and I wish people could, you know, one thing I like to say is, you know, people can judge me however they want, but until you can get in my skin, you can beat my heart, you can be my brain, you're not going to know how I think and feel. And, you know, you're right. And we're going to just a little, few more minutes on this and we're going to move on to basketball because this, this, is, this is something that really bothers me and it, it deserves more uh, than just what we're giving it here. But, uh, racism is a serious thing and, and you know I have many brothers and sisters out there and you know I don't like to see color I mean it's there and I don't even like to hear people use the terms black and white you know to me it's more about we're all people we're all God's children and that's how we have to look at things and, and you're right it, it's got to move on but you know we're talking about John Calipari and you could even compare him to Rick Pitino and I know you were saying something about that Benny and that you know, Rick Pitino coached kids that were there three and four years. He had a different style. As far as a motivator, I don't think that Rick Pitino is a better motivator than John Calipari. I think they're kind of on the same ground. And, you know, give Calipari these guys for three and four years and look what he could do. He's recruiting better talent than Rick Pitino did, okay? Honestly. Rick Pitino 
didn't I recruit these guys to play three or four years? Rick Patino was out there trying to recruit the same guys that John Calipari is recruiting now. He was trying to recruit the best guys in the nation. John Calipari is getting these guys day in, day out. They're up there. And, you know, one and two, one and two, one and two. You know, a lot of times we're behind Duke, but it doesn't matter. John Calipari is bringing in the kids that give us a chance to win a championship every year. There's not a better coach out there, guys. I don't care who you are out there. I'd love you to call in and try to argue with us. You're not going to win this argument. But and give them the and if you penny. do want to call in, that call-in number is 516-531-9474. And we would appreciate it. Because we'd really like to hear somebody from the other side, honestly. If, you, if you're from the other side, we'll give you equal time, equal equal opportunity to say what you want to say. But the thing is, there's not a nickel's difference in all these top coaches. And it's just some no. of them fit better at, at different places. And you can say what you want to say. There's not a better fit for Kentucky basketball than what we got right now. And I personally think it's the best fit in the history of our program. And I think Adolph Rupp was great. Don't get me wrong. He won a lot of championships. But I don't think he would have won as many championships in today's day and age. And I think it's very easy that Cal could have four championships. He's just been misfortunate, bounce here, bounce there. And I think that it's coming. And I think it might be this year. I know a lot of people are down on this team. But when I look at this team, yes, they're undermanned as far as scholarships. But they've got everything they need. They need one of the two things to happen. They either need EJ or they need Keon to step up and be a rebounding fool. And that's all they're missing. Because if you look down the line at all these games that we've lost, which isn't very many, really, and we haven't lost by a lot, all of them have been because of rebounding. Yeah. And, and like Rex Chapman told me yesterday, you know, it, we, we've seen a lot on Ashton Hagen, and some people have gone in a regression. I don't think it's necessarily a regression. I think just, you know, Ashton's just trying to do too much. And I think sometimes he, he seems to me like he's getting a little bit lost on you know, one ball to Maxie and IQ. I don't know that, you know, quickly could run the point for us. I mean, I, I, I'm totally confident in quickly running the point, but it gives us too much, you know, on the, on the, on the outside shot in, from the shooting position. But, you know, still, Hagen still has to be on that floor. And, and I think Hagen just has to kind of take a deep breath and resolve. And, and as Rex told me yesterday, Rex said he's playing too fast. He's playing too fast. He needs to slow back down to the game and to his game. And so he's going to figure it out. I'm not worried about Ashton. I'm more concerned with like what you're saying, Benny, is what what quickly he's going to do. Not quickly, but uh, Montgomery. And, and like I said, it, it comes down to Montgomery, Sestina, and Keon Brooks. You know, as what can they bring as as a unit and in that role? What their what's their bottom line? Because if we get that, I think this team's going to be fine. And just while I'm here, hey, I'm going to say something here I, I, real quick. Yeah. About Nate, I think Nate is in over his head, and I don't mean to be mean, but I just don't think he's got it on the defensive end. I'm going to let you elaborate on that while I go make sure this box is connected good on this internet, and I'll be right back. All right, and well, you know. Nate's having some issues. That's obvious. And, you know, defensively for sure. Um, what he brings to us offensively is great. And, you know, he's got to spell minutes because of the foul issues. And, you know, Brooks got some 
substantial time yesterday. Johnny Juzang got some substantial time yesterday. They both did really good with their minutes. And I think, you know, the more these guys play, the the better they're going to be. And everybody is better when they're on the floor and and playing time. You know, I think we're going to see Sestina's time uh, diminish somewhat. I think he's going to become more of a role player as we go along and as these other guys develop. And I think Sestina's there. You know, his role on this team, Big Blue Nation, is, is as a leader and a teacher, and they're learning from him. And he's a great kid, great work work ethic. It's just uh, and nothing, no fault of his at all, except he's just slow on defense. And sometimes you just can't do it. You know, and I think he's just, I think he's over his head a little bit physically. And it's just one of those things that, hey, he's better than he was, you know, last year. But still, we're at Kentucky, and we're playing this this level of basketball, and I think he's just a little bit over his head. But while we're on this, too, because I'm, I'm about I'm to back. bust here, Benny. I'm about to bust because, folks, Roger Arm's supposed to be on tonight. And I'll tell you what, I'm totally psyched, especially after beating Tennessee yesterday. And we're going to be talking about what song that Roger was comparing <laughs> Ashton Hagen's game to, and it's a Van Halen song, man. And the the funny thing is, Vinny didn't even know who Van Halen was. So it, this is going to be fun, guys. So don't miss this part of the show because we're going to have a blast. Every time Roger's on, we have a good time. And uh, I just had to get that out there, Vinny. I'm sorry to spill the beans on you, but, man, I, I don't know what to think about you anymore. I know who Van Halen is, right? But I just don't know. I know one Van Halen song. And I'm not even 100% sure it's a Van Halen song because, like I was telling you earlier, I listen to a lot of music and I like music, but I don't love it like you do. And I don't know the names of the songs. I just know the songs and I like them. And I, I know there's got to be other people out there like me. It's just, like I was telling you, I, okay. when I was growing up, I like Snoop Dogg. I like ACDC. I like Garth Brooks. I like a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah. All right, Benny. Benny, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask you something. How many lead singers did Van Halen have? <laughs> well, I hope only one. <laughs> oh, man, you're wrong. Oh, and, and a lot of people are going to say, too, they're going to say David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. But there was another one. There was another one. And a lot of people don't even remember this guy because he was a one-off. That was it. And that was Gary Sharon. So, anyway, there you go. There's three. So is Jump a Van Halen song? Yes, yes. Jump was right, David Lee Roth. <laughs> yeah, that was on 1984, and I was a young kid. And you know what? You know what? You you really, sometimes you get on my nerves with this I'm 46 stuff. Man, come on. You know we're I'm old. 43. You, you always try to, you always, <laughs> 43. You see, you're even worse than I thought. You You always try to make me feel old, man. I'm not trying to make you feel old. As a matter of fact, I love you like a brother, but you're you're just my older brother, right? I guess. I'm not old enough to be your dad, I don't think. But you know what? Well, he, well that's iffy. But uh, let's get Roger on. I get Roger on here, and uh, we're going to double team on you tonight, all right? All right, that's fine. But, you know, it's hard to shut down a legend even if you double team him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
No, you wear them in my old mouth, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. I remember, you know, music was big enough back then. Well, I'm going to tell you. I mean, Benny, the thing is with me is we didn't have a whole lot. We had we had three channels on TV, and we had radio. And radio was a big thing for us. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was uh, here in Paducah, we had a Wednesday night outlaws hour on 93.3. Uh, I can't, WKYQ, I think it is, in Paducah. And uh, they had an outlaws hour, and that was always on, uh, I think, Wednesday nights. And never missed that. Waylon, Willie, all them guys, and, and uh, man, you know, just loved it. And uh, so I, I grew up on that. I grew up on the rock and roll. And, I mean, we had the Eagles, Van Halen, Foreigner, you know, those guys. I got Fleetwood Mac, just, you know. Tom Petty, you know, Journey, those guys. and So we didn't have a whole lot of bands even. I mean, it's just like anything else. Uh, you know, I can get it that it just exploded. It's just like radio, Internet, and, and media. I mean, it's just social media just exploded. I mean, you can't – there's so many things out there now for people that I don't know how they can even keep up with half of them. <laughs> I agree 100%. And I can remember having three TV channels. That's the funniest part. And we were so poor when I came up. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. And it, it, it's not a knock against my parents or anything because they got they got plenty of But when I came up, I guess, I guess it was hard raising an outlaw like me. But, you know, when I came up, I can remember listening to record players because we were so poor. We didn't have, we didn't have radio. And I can remember eating, I don't know, it seemed like we ate macaroni and cheese five nights a week. <laughs> Oh, God. I, I, a lot of kids today would actually like that. That would be, uh, you know, a delicatessen. I mean, that's that's the that's the thing right there. I mean, cheese, you know. But same here. I mean, the blue collar family. My dad worked at Union Carbide, the uranium enrichment plant here in West Paducah, and my mom was a nurse. And you know, blue collar folks for sure. Uh, my, my grandparents same way. I mean, they worked in. Uh, my grandfather worked at the same plant. My grandmother worked in manufacturing, and and they had a huge garden, two actual huge gardens, and 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 cattle and chickens, and the, they they never stopped working. So you know, I think that's where my work ethic came from, and you know, and and, and folks out there, I mean, Benny and I today, we've been working all day. I know Benny's covered in mud. I'm covered in mud today. If you could see us, you would just laugh at us. But then you know, we <laughs> this is how real we are. We just roll with it. Came in today, no script, no nothing. We we do a little pre-talk, you know, but uh, it's it's as real as it gets. But it, it's fun, and I, I wouldn't change anything, Benny. No, and like I say, we're not trying to appeal to old people because we know how old people are. They go to bed early, but we're just telling you how we how things were when we grew up. We want all the young folks too, but we've come full circle. We use internet things now. <laughs> we're not complete cavemen, although me and the internet. We don't get along too well. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, I think we will we will take a pause for the calls, and as soon as we get back, we will have uh, Roger Harden on with us, I do believe. So let's take a pause for the calls. When we come back, we'll have Roger Harden. Hey, it's Nick Mingione, head baseball coach at the University of Kentucky. You're listening to Kentucky Basketball across the bluegrass with Benny and Lee on Blog Talk Radio. And now we would like to welcome in uh, 
whether he wants to be or not, Kentucky legend. Uh, Roger Harden, how are you doing today? I'm good, Denny. How you doing, my man? We're doing good. Are you feeling better? Because I know you were under the weather for quite some time there. I am feeling much better. I <clears throat> just got back from a weekend uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Obviously, I watched the Tennessee game. I watched the Hilltop, uh, the Hilltoppers beat Southern Miss last night. My youngest daughter goes to school there, so we went up there for the weekend. <clears throat> Lee, how you doing? Hey, Roger. My brother from another mother. I mean, great, brother. <laughs> I tell you what. But no. <laughs> I wish I'd have known you were in Bowling Green. I would have made a trip down to see you, man. I, uh, man always great, great to have you, Roger, man. I tell you what, I get psyched. I think everybody gets psyched when you're on. I mean, we have such a good chemistry <laughs> with each other. And, I mean, who, who, who better talk Kentucky basketball with than Roger Harden? Well, I appreciate those words. That means a lot to me, and uh, I always enjoy talking basketball with you guys. And um, it was a good win yesterday, fellas. That was a good win. Yeah. yeah it yes, was. sir. It was definitely a, a lot good of good win. things happened. I, I thought Keon's minutes and 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 Johnny Juzong. I thought you know, looking towards the future, which I'm always doing. I'm. I'm national. I'm a national championship-driven fan, <laughs> yep. so I'm yep. always looking hey. to see what we got to do to get get to the dance. And obviously, those two with some production yesterday, I think, is going to hopefully continue to pay off. I, I think that's what we got to look at, Roger. Is is who's going to give us that other line? Because we've got four consistent players out there right now, and, and who's going to fill that fifth spot? You know what? We were touching a little bit earlier on the show. I think that you've got to take that, that stat line from Brooks, Sustaina, and Montgomery, and they just got to fill that void there and, and together if they have to by committee. And But I think they're kind of doing that right now. I think Juzang's the X factor. I mean, he's spilling some time for our guards, and I, he's just giving us another guy outside. I mean, he's, and he's doing some great things defensively, too. And I just think the more time he's on the floor, we're going to see a lot of good things out of that kid. Yeah, I, I think you can just seem by the minute get comfortable out there. I mean, he, you know, he, he he's had some games where he rebounded well. Uh, I mean, he he's and you can tell with his stroke, he's a sniper. It's just a matter of time before really he's just starting to shoot off instincts. The guys believe in him, you know, uh, which is important, uh, which means the ball move his way. They're not afraid to get it to him, even though he's a freshman and. He's kind of he's kind of developing a little bit late. They've got confidence. That's important when you're out there in the heat of battle. You got to have confidence in each each and everybody that's out there, you know, uh, in the foxhole with you. And uh, judging on the way that the guys talk about him and and the way the ball, they have no problem getting him the ball. Uh, you know, I think uh, he's going to continue to be. And I, you know, I look for him to have one of those real breakout three point games where he gets six or seven, maybe. He's got that type of potential, yep. so that so well, that's I mean, out there. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean he's six seven, and, and you know what what I see different than him because when you get a lot of these West Coast players, they come over. They they always seem to play a slower tempo, have a little slower movement, and but I don't see that with John Juzang. I see he's got that quickness, and he between the ears, man, that kid's got it. I mean, I see a lot of good things out of him. 
Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. What do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to happen with? Uh, I'm just curious because you you probably know a little more about the internal workings than we do. But Cal said last week he's thinking about playing Dante Allen, which to me, for him to say that would tell me he's having to do something to show him that he might want to play. Mm-hmm. Well, my biggest concern is an injury. Uh, you know, I mean, we're we're down to eight. I, I feel comfortable with eight. I think we can do a lot of damage with the eight that we have. Uh, but, you know, you know, a, a twisted ankle here or there or something like that, uh, I, I don't know if he was thinking in those terms that he's starting to consider, hey, he's looking good enough. And, and I don't have any inside information. And if I did, I wouldn't say that I had in, inside information either. <laughs> but, 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 not, but, but, we didn't mean to put you on the spot, Roger. <laughs> but if, if you know, Cal's, you know, this is obviously not his first rodeo. And I know, you know, late last year, PJ had that uh, that ankle injury. So, you know, that's my biggest concern is somebody going down for a week, you know, having to go out a week or something. And, and what are we going to do for practice and stuff? So, you know, I, I trust Cal. I think he, you know, he'll always make the right decision for the kid and for the team. Um, but I actually coached against Dante Island in high school. And, wow. Uh, and he can play. Uh, you know, obviously he hasn't had, you know, coming off of an injury, you know, going through the process as a freshman of getting out there and getting comfortable. It's a little, obviously it's a lot different than, you know, the, um, you know, playing in practice. Uh, you know, it's going to take him a little while, but he's a shooter. So if he can come in and, you know, maybe if we get against the zone or something like that, he can stroke it. He's got nice range. Uh, he's a strong kid. Uh, I don't know what he's done with his handle. I don't know, you know, what he can do off the move. I'm sure they've worked with that defensively. You know, you just never know where a kid's at as a freshman. So it's coming in kind of late. And obviously the later in the year, there's going to be a lot of pressure in those situations, particularly in the tournament. I'm not saying he couldn't produce for us, but I wouldn't expect a whole lot if he did, if he did get some action. You know, he's just going to give us some minutes where maybe – you do, he doesn't hurt us and does a few things that are going to help us. One thing well, I don't think that's that going to put anybody in there either, just because of you know you look at Jared Vanderbilt, you know too, and you know Cal's not going to rush anybody on the court. And to me, my opinion is you know they should shelf him for the year. And, and I know he's he's working out with the team and he's practicing with the team. But Roger, you kind of alluded to that too a little bit is you know in the game and that pressure. You know, he's not going to be game ready in, in, in game shape. And, you know, practice is one thing, but game shape's a big difference. And I, I think Cal's starting to find a chemistry with the group he's got, and I, I think he needs to stay with those eight. Yeah. Well, Roger, one thing I, I, that I've I, said that I wanted to get your opinion on is, me, I'm from Montgomery County, so I've had the benefit of watching Darius Miller and Dante Allen live. And, I mean, I don't know if you got to see Darius Miller when he was in high school, but I told, I was telling someone the other day that I seen them both in high school. And as far as I'm concerned in high school, now I'm not talking about what Darius become. I thought Dante Allen was a much more polished player in high school than what Darius Miller was. Mm-hmm. He he certainly had he certainly had more range than Darius. You know, uh, a little bit more of a prolific score. Uh, you know, 
Darius uh, probably had a little bit more to go with him over at Mason. Uh, but I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, they're both winners. And, you know, comparing, you know, anytime I get in a conversation about caring, uh, comparing players and coaches and errors and stuff like that, I kind of, you know, I I can get into that conversation, but it, it really – it's just going to be, you know, one thing I'll tell you about Dante Allen is he's a gamer. And big games shows up, which I think will will bode well because I think he likes big moments. And just getting in the game in Rupp Arena is a big moment. I think he can handle the emotion of it. I, I just know that what, what type of an adjustment it is, even for the top-tier athletes to, to just to absolutely adjust to the game, the speed of the game, the crowd the whole thing it's a new experience so i don't think he'd be overwhelmed but you know for him to come in and be a game changer uh is probably asking too much but he'd probably be a good solid solid player if we need somebody in the pinch now that doesn't mean that that he'll be that doesn't mean that too he'll be his whole career i'm just saying this late coming off of an injury in his freshman year you know, who knows, maybe he, you know, but he's definitely capable of coming in and, and hitting three or four threes if he gets his rhythm. There's absolutely no question about that. Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. You're saying starting this late. Yeah. He's behind everyone yes. else. And he's coming off yeah. an injury. He's coming off two injuries, as a matter of fact, which that's what I was talking to Lee about earlier in the year. I thought, well, maybe they should just hold him out. But I thought, you know, mm-hmm. I know the, the departure of Whitney probably put the pressure on Cal to start thinking about it because, you know, you're down to eight scholarship mm-hmm. players. I get that. But I didn't think Cal would even consider it unless he thought he was ready because I know Cal, and Cal would would uh, would probably lose before he'd put a player in the wrong place, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so much, you know, the, the, the Khalil Whitney, I don't think Whitney – you know, his minutes were diminishing already, so I don't think that that affected the team so much, but I think Cal still kind of relied on his athletic ability, but I think Cal was already headed in that direction. I mean, and that's why we were seeing the minutes diminish, and I think that's why, you know, Whitney ended up, you know, deciding to transfer anyway and leave the program. So I think Cal is seeing – it's just like Big Blue Nation, and sometimes I think people need to take off their – their x-ray goggles or whatever it is and, and, and see what we're seeing in front of us because we're starting to see this team develop and they're taking shape and they have been for the last three or four weeks, even with the, the loss at Auburn, and we know about that. And But that brings me to a question for you, Roger, is what do you think about the SEC officiating overall? And, and what are you seeing that, oh, Lord. that you're not seeing maybe some of these other – yeah, I know this is a huge can of worms, but – I'll I, I tell you what, I, I've never seen officiating worse than I have seen in the SEC this year. Yeah, I, you know, obviously after the Auburn game, I was, uh, I was disgusted with the way that, you know, they called the game. I thought, you know, I, I occasionally in my tweets, and I try not to get too uh, controversial, but I, I thought in that game, we we were just constantly taken out of the game. I know there was a stretch there where PJ was EJ was really starting to make some nice plays, and then boom, he gets called for a touch foul, which was his third or fourth foul that took him out of the game. I thought I thought Q got some some some, uh, and, and so did Nick. I thought they all got some 
some touch fouls and there was fouls that weren't called. And really, I just, I really thought in my heart that, you know, that, and I had a couple of people that, you know, disagreed with me, but I really thought that that, that was the officiating. It was so bad in that game. It was insurmountable for us. And it was completely instrumental in us losing the game. You know, sometimes you'll have a controversial call at the end of the game. Like remember last year, the LSU game with the, with the, with the offensive goaltending call, you know, I thought, you know, that's one you can, you know, say, hey, you know, it was he got it wrong and it did cost us the game. But throughout the game, particularly in the second half of that Auburn game, I just thought it was just systematically just continued to take us out of out of a situation where we could compete to win the basketball game. And, you know, as a player, you know, in my era, and, you know, and I think it's important as a player when you get into a game, you know, you can't let the officiating start to control the way you think and the way that you play. But when you're, when you're getting, when you see guys going to the bench and you know, your, your bench is short anyway, and you've got guys in foul trouble, you realize, Hey, you've got to change the way that you're playing. You've got to adjust to the officiating. And, you know, in that Auburn game, I thought our guys, I thought our guys uh, got a little uh, apprehensive, particularly on the glass and some of those, uh, you know, helping out and, you know, getting aggressive on, on the ball. I just felt like they felt like, you know, hey, we're going to get called for it. They're going to go to the line and get two. I'm going to get my third or fourth. How bad can this get? So I just think they they adjusted to it. But mentally going forward, you know, I know fans like to talk about it, but as players, I think it's important that they go in there and irrespective of what happens with officiating, they can't let that penetrate their concentration. They can't, you know, their purpose out there, and they've got to adjust to it, irregardless of how unjust the calls are. They've got to go forward because, you know, you get into the tournament and there's no do-overs. So you, you've got to be able to emotionally react to it and get back into the game and, uh, you know, continue to play aggressive, in my opinion. Hey, fellas, yeah. if you don't mind, we're going to take a call here on the air. He's going to He's wanting to ask a question, so let's just let him in here and see what happens here. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Cross the Bluegrass. You're on with Betty and Lee and Roger Hart. Hello Are you there. Go ahead. Hello. Question away. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, well, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Hello. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm. You know, it's this is a question. Uh, uh, you know, uh, about the NBA. You know, and Kobe Bryant. Okay, you know, back when Kobe first started, he wore number eight, and then he he changed to a uh, twenty-four. Uh, okay, why did he change to uh, to number twenty-four? I think the reason that he changed to twenty-four was to. I think, and Roger probably knows better than I do, but I think the reason he changed to 24 is to show how often, how much he worked per day to become the best. 24-7, I think it was, right? And I, I believe yeah, this I is do. my buddy Lonnie, I believe this is my buddy Lonnie Hagler from Fulton, yes. Kentucky. Yes. How yes. you doing, Lonnie? Yep. yep. All good, man. Good, good. How you doing? Well, 24-7, and, and that is that right? I think it's right, but I don't know. 
I do know Lonnie's a big fan of Oscar Robertson and I'll tell you what, I oh, yeah. I put Roger Harden up in that I put Roger Harden up in that category. Roger Harden to me was uh everything big O was at uh, you know, at Cincinnati, but Roger Harden was everything he was at Kentucky. And uh you got anything else for us, Lonnie? No, I just to see uh Somebody else asked me that uh, that question, and I couldn't answer it. And um, and I just wondered, you know, if if y'all knew. I think yeah, that's Roger. Right, you but, got, but Roger, don't, you got don't quote me on that. No, that is Benny. Roger, that's got, the right number. I think he yeah. changed it in 07, 06 or 07, and I think it was, you know, his it symbolizing his growth and, you know, twenty, you know, his work ethic, twenty four hours a day. You know, kind of okay. transforming from from a young man to a man, and I think that oh, okay. that's yeah. why that was the story behind it. Yes. Hey, thanks for okay. the call, buddy. Come yeah. back anytime. We yeah, appreciate, appreciate the call. Okay. Good night, Ron. And, Thank you. And Lee, the Go only ahead. thing I have in common, I think that, uh, the only thing I have in common with the Big O is that we're both from Indiana. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, the Big O was a triple. Hey. The Big O was a triple double machine. I mean, hey, I Roger. grew up listening to stories hey, about Roger, the Big O. You forget that There's I saw you guys. in other pickup games. You forget that I saw you in other places. You gave up your shot <laughs> for Kentucky because hey. Joe B was old school. He wasn't going to let you take a pull-up 20-footer. And that, <laughs> and that's that. Well, that is true. I and, I mean, I, I did know that guys. when I – only two guys in the NBA average a triple double, and that's it. And 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 Roger, I, hey man, you you did it for me. I don't care triple doubles or not. You you did enough on that yeah. floor, and, and you you were my Oscar Robertson man. Well, well, hey man, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me, and uh, just to be just to be remembered and get on here and talk talk ball with the Big Blue Nation, and to just have worn the uniform, but. Uh, uh, Benny's right. The '80s were a different era. You know, when you go back and watch an '80s game, you'll see guys turning down shots at the top of the key, particularly the guards. It was all about getting a high percentage shot. It was the era where they, everybody would refer to the big guys as aircraft carriers. You know, UCLA won with Walton and now Sindor, and and you know they were dominant and they everything ran through the big men. So I knew what I was getting into, but I, I more than anything. Uh, I wanted to play on a national championship team. Uh, we got close to winning a state championship here in Indiana twice. We didn't do it. Uh, and I wanted to uh, just play on a championship team. I was brought up by my dad. Mom raised me to, to believe that was the best thing that you could ever do. And I'll, I'll transition that over to this team right here, uh, to our current Kentucky team. I know Cal talks a lot about player-driven teams, and I understand what he means. I think you know, that's the coach now beginning to trust these guys to to, to go out there and, and to make some decisions on their own and put the responsibility on them. And one of the things that I learned at Kentucky, I played on four great teams. We Every one of the teams that I played on, when we got beaten in the NCAA, we were always beaten by a number one seed, except my senior year we were beaten by LSU. I thought we could beat anybody in the country that year. We had beat Louisville early in the year who won it all. Obviously, they got better. So did we. 
I thought we could beat anybody in the country. We just couldn't beat LSU four times. But the one thing I learned about that team that the, none of the other teams that I played on had, to the man, to the manager, to the coaches, to the mouse that was living behind the bleachers in Memorial Coliseum, all we thought about, all we talked about was winning a national championship. And those people who you fans who remember that team, we weren't real big. We played with a lot of heart, but it was chemistry. We had so much purpose and chemistry out there, and we none of us were really concerned about uh, scoring. Now, if you got the ball to Eddie Davitter on a break, everybody on the team knew you weren't getting it back, so you might as well not even go to the other end. So he was going to put it up. But that was my boy, Eddie Davitter. We loved him. Right? But, but I would like to see – you know, as these teams get closer to the tournament, you know, I think it's okay, and I think it's important, particularly during this Calipari era, if there's anything I would recommend to the basketball program <clears throat> with all of the things that go around with the one and done and, and the perception of, of these ball players, which I don't believe. I believe they're there to win, though I will say that Khalil Whitney's tweet was awful. It was an indictment on what that young man was brought up to believe because once you get on a basketball team I do think you have a responsibility to your to your teammates and you're there to win and obviously he's there as a business venture and I don't want to get into the conversation of the one and done because if I had a son he would leave after his first year if he was a first rounder and it'd be the right move I think everybody's happy for a young man but while you're at the University of Kentucky and for the greatest tradition, I think it's incumbent on the program to go out of their way to meet the aspirations of our fans and make it clear that, hey, we're here to get us a natty. We're here to win a national championship. Yeah. And that's what brings the fans and the players, and you get that energy and that chemistry going. And I would hope that as we get closer, I've heard Maxie, Maxie's one of the few players that I've heard when he came here. He said, I, want to, I came here because I want to win a national championship. And boy, did my ears perk up. And I think, I think this team starts to believe like that and talk like that. And go ahead and talk about it. Because if our fans believe that and they hear that and they all put themselves out there that that's what we're going to do, I think that's great for our chemistry, and I think that's great for one purpose. When they go out there, we know what it's all about. And I think it, it kind of shuts up the people who think that those guys are out there just to, get a, just to get a pro contract, which I don't believe. I understand that they come here, and if they do, it, it, they do get a platform to show what they can do. I mean, pro scouts are, have always been at Kentucky games, and if they can go and change their, their life and their family's life, I think we're all for them. We know life is hard out here financially, and who can fault them hey, for Roger, doing that? But while you're here, we got to know you're here for the national championship. Yes, sir. Right, Roger. So, what what is your take on? Of course, you were, you were a multi-year player. I mean, you played your whole career mm-hmm. there. Four years. Four years. Yep. Yeah, all four years. And and so, mm-hmm. what is your take on? How impressed with you are you on? what these players and what John Calipari does with these kids in just one year in building chemistry, because it's hard to do it in one year. But 
you start to develop it. But what he's doing in a short term versus four years, how impressed are you with that, and, and what do you see in it? Well, it tells me that they trust him, you know, because I think when he comes in, I've heard him talk about some of the things that, you know, they immediately start to talk to them about, um, you know, that you got to play through each other and you're going to need your teammate and things like that. And, you know, everybody that comes in to Kentucky probably averaged 30 points a game. They're used to dominating a game through their offense. Every one of those guys learned to dominate offensively and to be able to to change a game offensively, either it was on the AAU circuit, whether it was in their high school games or whatever, and they get to this point, and some of them can dominate it, but you learn that you can can beat a team in a lot of different ways. Some of the great players like Bird and Magic and some of those guys, they could beat you. they 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 could cut you up with the passing. They can rebound. They, it was every facet of the game. They were great competitors. And I think with this team right now, the biggest, the biggest thing that I'm hoping for is, is, is the Ashton. I think right now how I see his – he's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I think Ashton has had a great season so far. People started talking about him being the best point guard in the country, which I believe he should be in that conversation. And, you know, he was hitting a couple of double-doubles. But then what that does is, I think as a point guard, you know, you think back to our 2012 team with Teague. Teague made Mm -hmm. sure everybody got involved early and everybody stayed involved. And when you're a scoring point guard and you look to score – and it, it might be good. It looks good in certain situations. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't look to score, but I think his mentality needs to go where he completely gives up his offense. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to get 12, 15, maybe 20 a game. But he's got to make sure everybody gets involved and stays involved throughout that game. And I think he's a little conflicted with his role. I perceive that Cal has tried to get him to go in that direction. Okay, yep. and and to get Jazung going, and maybe quite frankly, he's not completely accepted that. And it's tough as a point guard to to what you hear is, hey, we don't want you to shoot or we don't want you to score. Now, in Joby's case, uh, he really didn't want me to shoot the ball, <laughs> but no. I don't believe that's the case with Cal. Okay, and it just wasn't me as yeah. a guard; it was other guards that played for coach, yeah. but. It's a tough Not to mention Davener. That, that Davener guy. That Davener guy got the ball. You never got it back. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eddie D. Well, of course, see, they played him. And, and Hagen's reminds me a lot of Eddie Davener because of his defense. And he's and he's tenacious going to the rack and some of that. And, and, and what you'll find out as a point guard is you'll never be more in control of a game to be able to control a game mm-hmm. when you can get your guys going and then you pick your spots for your offense. And you can and you gotta put yourself on the team. If you've got a a, a, a point guard that's looking to, to do things offensively and he's bringing the ball up and he's walking the ball up, which I see occasionally, and we have that little offense where we're gonna go side to side real quick and then we send him through and the ball ends up out on top. It's that circle offense that we have where we set those uh, baseline screens, gets down to 10 seconds. Well, you can't always 
dribble and call for your for your ball screen, okay? Because that can be perceived as not always, but if you overdo it, that's going to be a self. You, guys are going to start to – that's going to affect their mojo out there. And you've got to keep these guys believing if you're open, you will get the rock at all times. Yeah. There should be never yeah. any doubt. And I think that's yeah. a little bit where we're at right now. Not bad, yeah. but I see when he makes his when he makes his turnovers and things like that, he's gotten himself in a little trouble and he'll either if it will get he'll get double teamed and get stripped or he'll make a pass where he's got too much pressure on him because he's over penetrated and that's a sign to me that hey, just get back in the offense and let your offense come to you. And if he does that Everybody else's their games are going to rise. They're going to they're going to start to show out, and then when he starts to look for his offense, it's going to be a whole lot easier. So I think that's where we're at as a team. And personally, I think that's where the key is. It's the key to Nick Richards when they know they're going to get the ball inside. You got to keep those you got to keep those big guys happy. Keep them working. Keep them running the floor. Keep guys running the floor on the break. You know that they know they're going to get it. They're happy. You got to keep your team playing happy out there. You can't have those two or three minutes where we're trying to adjust because maybe you over penetrated or try to do too much yep. offensively. And the thing with Ashton is, is is that he gets frustrated and he makes them in bunches. I remember the Auburn yep. game; we were up five and Cowd had him out and brought him in, and within a minute and a half we're down two. He had didn't get out on a three, and I'm not picking on him. Because I, I, I know I can spot this because I see myself in him. There were times in my career as a sophomore and a junior, I was doing the same thing, you know, and you've got, you got to put your game on the altar. So it takes one to know one in this situation. So I don't want to act like I'm, I'm talking over Ashton Hagens or no. that I'm being too hard on him. But, but, but he's a great kid, and, he's, and, and I do believe he should be in the conversation for the best point guard in the country right now but right now I just think it's it's all a mental thing and it comes down to him really accepting his role and doing what he's got to do whether he likes it or not that's what you got to do because in the NBA you know you've got to be able to set the table as well as score and to me he needs to show that he can set the table more than he can score right now yeah they, were, you know, they, they, they missed Nick that's yesterday crazy. inside and but go ahead Benny I would say, you know that I love Ashton Higgins, but, Roger, you're not saying anything that Cal probably hadn't said to him with a lot more authority than what you just said, and you're just giving your honest opinion on what's going on, and I agree. And and one thing you said yeah. in that, you were talking about keeping everybody happy. I don't ever want to see this happen again, and I've seen it happen in Tennessee, or I hope I don't ever see it happen. Nick pinned a guy down at like 6'4", and he was calling for the ball, and and it was Max mm-hmm. actually that didn't get him the ball. And you could tell he was physically yeah. upset about it. Yes. And, yeah, there were three or four times they like, missed him down there. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. missed him uh, three or four times, and that was Maxie and Hagen. So, and, and look, yeah. just like you said, Roger, I could see the frustration with Nick. But And I think that is one uh, – Cal called that one time out and pulled Nick out because I could see Nick coming down the court on on defense and kind of dragged his feet a little bit and then he kicked it in and, and but on that timeout Cal pulled him out and I think he saw that but that was a direct mm-hmm. reflection of you know not being given the ball when when you know he was wide open. Yes, and 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 really it's it, it's honestly Ashton in in, in my person he's still young. 
I mean, I know he's a sophomore, okay? But, you know, these are things. I'm 56 having this conversation, okay? I've been married for 20-some years, and I've got four children, and, you know, that'll, that will drain all the selfishness out of you. So I'm looking back at, at me when I was, you know, 20, 21 years old, and you've been told all throughout your, you know, junior high and high school career you've been a great scorer and you can do this. But I just think, you know, in time, and, I, and, and I'm sure it's being addressed. And another thing, I, when I come on these podcasts, I don't always say everything that, I, you know, that I'm thinking, but there's no need when I'm talking about a subject to try to pee on the smartest fans in the country and tell them it's raining, okay? Everybody on Twitter and everybody else knows that Ashton's playing a little bit out of his role right now than he was earlier in the year, you know. You know, he was, he was, I mean, my gosh, he was getting 14 points, 12 assists. I mean, the double-doubles, he was really balancing it nice right now. And what happens is Q's made a rise. Nick's starting to get talked about a little bit. We're all human. I've been on those type of teams where you got great big personalities. They start to make a uh, thing, uh, you know, get a little bit more attention. And it's only human nature to go, you know, hey, maybe I need to make a, you know, a couple more buckets. Hey, everybody, don't forget about me. Now, that goes back to just being a championship-driven basketball team where it just doesn't matter who scores, whether it's you, if you do score or you don't score, whether you play or you don't play, you're just consumed with getting those rings. And I think when that tournament time starts to come around and everybody starts to realize this is what it's all about, I think a lot of those things will start to leave. Well, I don't want to change gears too much, but, Roger, I've got to tell you this. I don't think our buddy Benny even knew who Van Halen was. (laughs) 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 Roger, you got to listen to me. I'm feeling this because we're the same age. I can see you Mm -hmm. driving in a a muscle car somewhere. Maybe it's in Indiana. Wind is down, mm-hmm. drinking some Van Halen, drinking a cold mm-hmm. Budweiser. And, you know, you're not going to mm-hmm. get in trouble for it now. But, but mm-hmm. so we, we've got to ask you, that tweet yesterday, it made me laugh so hard. You, you'll never understand it. And, and we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it one of these days over a game. But we have to know what Van Halen song were you thinking Ashton Hagen channeling for his transition what what was it was i've got a poll out there i mean on twitter if you haven't seen it i've got a poll out there trying to figure out what song it was i've got one in mind and but what is it yes well during the tweet when i did tweet it i had my i had my headphones on and that is my pre-game uh ritual about an hour before the game i go to my music and of course it's always 80s music and the other day it was van halen it was off the 1984. It was jump, but I do jump around. All right. Okay. Wow. I, 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 Benny got it. Benny I, got it. I, I, mean, wow. I, I mean, 84 was a good one. And, of course, that was my era. You know, you had Hot for Teacher on there, and, you know, you had some of those, which was a great video back then. Everybody would wait for that one to come on MTV because the teacher was so good looking. And, you know, yeah, so you had a lot of those. You know, I, 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 I worked the whole scenario, uh, 51-50. You know, I, that was right before I went to L.A. Uh, I, I, I was out in L.A. when that came out. And uh, so, I mean, it, and I jump around a little Aerosmith. I go a little <laughs> here. I go a little there. Prince. 
because I take my fandom serious. I get in my zone, and I'd say yesterday before jump off, tip off, what happens around our house, usually it's me and my wife, and we go out and do some things nice and early, get some shopping done. A good day for me is, you know, go to Fresh Times, get some nice food, get some stuff for the game, maybe hit Walmart, come back, get the dogs walked, so I don't have to worry about all that. I start getting ready, so I put the headphones on. But during before I do that, my I'll be thinking about the game, our opponent, and probably four times my wife will say, honey, did you hear what I said? Uh, no, honey, I didn't hear what you said. I'm, I'm, we got a game. Oh, it's Tennessee. What do you need? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about our defense. Well, foul zone. They don't shoot the three well. Should we be zoning? This is the mind that I go into, and I get in. I vicariously live through every one of these teams the last two years since I've been on Twitter, as if I'm a part of it. I love doing it, and it's a completely. I probably need therapy for it. Okay, I don't know what it says about me. Maybe it's you, I did my price. Okay, but I, but, but I give I give I give myself over to the Kentucky Wildcats, body, soul, and mind. Okay. It's as if I'm a, a part of the team, so I'm very intense. And uh, I didn't get to send out a post-game tweet. We had some some uh, unexpected company show up right at the end of the game, okay? And I really tried to put thought into my tweet, and I couldn't get one out. I'm like, I'm just going to have to wait till I thought, you know, I have to send it out either tomorrow morning. And then you invited me on the um, show, and I'm like, no, I'll just talk about what I want to talk about on the uh, Benny and Lee show. You know what I mean? Well, so it's a little bit but, different every time. You know, you know, and Roger, you've touched on so many things. So first of all, let me tell you, I'm very disappointed in you because I really thought it was going to be unchained. And the other reason I'm disappointed is because Benny, the only song he said, Jump, I think that's by Van Halen. So he got it right. It is. Okay, so I'm disappointed. All right. Now, the the second thing is, in Kentucky, don't we have an unwritten rule? No calls, no text, no nothing, especially no visitation or no visitors during a Kentucky game. Come on. Relatives from out of town. That's, that's what I saw when there was a knock at the door. I'm like, who, who, who can this possibly be? Who is this? There was about a minute left. We had it in the ice box. Okay, and of course, you know, I've, I've got to snap back out of reality and put, like, put life into perspective when you see the, you know, my second cousin and her uh, husband and kids I haven't seen in two years, and okay, yes, and my wife is judging me because she knows how I am on game day, and I got to get a tweet out, honey, don't talk to me, so I get my tweet out, okay. <laughs> Et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, I like to run through Twitter. I love to run through everybody's Twitter. I got you guys on uh, notification. I got about 12 people on notification. I got to see what they're thinking about it, you know. So so I'm all in. I'm crazy, man. It's, 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 I wouldn't have it any other way, though. It's, it's, a, okay. it's a great hey. time of my life. Before I, know before ben, I let listen. you go, we've kept you yeah. for so long. Yeah. I got to ask you what you thought about the return of Bobby Knight. To Indiana because was that real? Was that a real thing between Dickie V and and Bobby Knight, or was that just playing? What was that? <laughs> well, there was a episode one time. Do you remember the movie Blue Chips? Oh yeah, yeah, Nick Nolte. It was a great movie. Nick Nolte. 
and they filmed it yeah, in one Indiana. Of my favorite movies. And the story is is that Vital went up there. Now Knight, uh Nick Nolte uh you know, really was playing Bobby Knight in that. And Knight was telling him everything he said. And the legend is is that Dick Vital came on the set where, where Knight was and put his arms around him. Knight didn't seem and was like the general. And Knight actually flipped him over him. Like bent over and threw him to the ground because Knight didn't like. I guess he's got space issues. He's got personal space issues. And I think what happened yesterday when he put his arm around him, everybody in Indiana knew what had happened between those two. And I think Knight was just putting on a show to go, "Hey, don't you? You can't do that to me. I'll still body flip you, right?" I think that's what was going on. That that was my interpretation. Well, with Dick Vitale being the Duke Homer that he is, I don't have a lot of – I, I kind of like that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Roger, I thought it was no better if it was playing or not. <laughs> Roger, are not going anywhere yet. We're not going to let you out here yet. The two things. So i, I got to ask you this. What Since we talked a little bit about music, what was your pregame jams at Kentucky? And – we're going to ask you about Larry Bird and the visit. Well, let me say this, okay? Uh, at the University of Kentucky Wildcat Lodge, before all the games, okay, back then you either had a boom box or you had a serious stereo system, okay? And the brothers completely dominated the music in the lodge. We, 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 us white boys had to go with whatever they wanted to roll with at the lodge. Joe B., would not allow music in the uh, locker room at all. Now, after the Walkman came out in 86, we could wear those, but those didn't come out to like 86, I'm pretty sure, because we didn't have Walkmans uh, before then, I don't think. But, I mean, it was Prince and the Revolution. It was Coolio. It was uh, – and we would, throw in, we would throw in some Van Halen. The brothers liked Van Halen, okay, uh, Walker like Van Halen, Blackman, uh, uh, one of the greatest break dancers I've ever seen was Winston Bennett. He would get out in the hall of Wildcat Lodge and break dance before a game, and we'd all get fired up. He would do it to this and that. Of course, they'd make fun of the the music. Some of the guys that liked a little bit of country music, like Todd Ziegler or or Todd May, when he was there, they would dog out the country music. But it was all in good fun. You know what I'm saying? Because we were brothers. But the music was Aerosmith. I was a, I was Aerosmith. I was Van Halen. Journey. I was big into Journey. Okay, uh, so I was I was kind of in that vein. But I could go Coolio. I could go with some of those other ones as well. <laughs> I guess Lee lot with Lee. Did we yeah, lose Lee? A, I don't know. I don't know. He's he's a well, he's that's gone. okay. Okay, well maybe yeah, he'll call back in. Yeah, he was. Maybe he was he'll call back in for, because the only or the only Van Halen song I knew was Jump. I said, well, it had to be Jump anyway because that's yeah. the best one. Well, <laughs> the thing about the thing that was special about Jump is after we played Houston, Benny, in '84, and we beat him. That was Five Slamma Jamma with Elijah Wan and that crew. Uh, uh, ESPN did a highlight reel of that game to jump Van Halen 
And of course, when you play on a, playing a game like that, and every night at Wildcat Lodge, after we'd all curfew would be at eleven, we'd all be in front. We'd all get in one room or two rooms, and we'd all watch Sports Center. We watch highlights of Carolina. We watch highlights of Indiana. We watch NBA highlights. And so we would all sit around, and of course, when when highlights of us would come on, you know, everybody would say, "I hope they show this highlight or that highlight." But when they do a full song and put highlights of a game to it, that's one of those things that sticks in your mind forever. And they did nineteen, they did Van Halen jump to our highlights to our uh, um, Houston Kentucky game. So that's always got a special place in my heart. Yeah, yeah, good choice. Good choice. Van Halen yeah. right up there with me. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. we thought we lost. Yeah, well, I'm here. I'm, no, I'm here. I, I was channeling Roger Harden to some Van Halen Unchained. I can't help it. I mean, I was hoping that was the song. <laughs> I mean, at least everybody wants some. At least, yeah, at least everybody wants some. I mean, I want some. I want number nine. I mean, you know. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. But so uh, I stumped Benny. I stumped Benny on this question, Roger. I'm gonna ask you: How many uh-huh. lead singers has Van Halen had? Uh, well, I think they had one. Uh, of course, everybody knows Sammy and David Lee, and, and and I can't tell you his name. He's like the fifth Beatle. Wasn't there one before yeah. David Lee Roth? I can't tell you his name. Uh, you know, and it's also, I think there was, uh, you know, oh, also I was U2. I was big into U2 back in the 80s as well. So you see there, you yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Greg Roger Hart. I, I, I cannot remember <laughs> what, what his name was. Uh, and of course, it, you know, the band had, ran, ran the band. Yeah, no, yeah I'm going to tell you, I, I know enough about Van Halen. I know as much about them as I do Kentucky basketball. So now I'm going to, I'm going to show my expertise, Roger. Are you, are you, I hope, I, I hope, I, <laughs> I hope I threw you as much as you did me when you played basketball at Kentucky. Okay. So here we go. So Van Halen, when they started, the the name of the band was Mammoth. It was with David Lee Roth. Okay, so he was the first and original singer. Then they had to transition to Sammy when David Lee Roth went on his own. But they had a breakup with Sammy, and they brought a guy named in uh, Gary Sharon from the band Extreme. Then Sammy yeah. came back. So yeah, so there's three, but you're right with three. It just but you so guys said uh, something. So it was after Sammy? The third one was after yeah, Sammy yeah, yeah, he actually like, came in after Sammy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. Because one album, I one left, CD, uh, he was Yeah. For me, I know it's, you know, Arthur and Eddie and it's their band, but after Sammy left, they brought in Wolf was it Wolfgang? Wasn't it one of the Yeah and there were Okay, I, I yeah. kind of lost me there. I've kind of faded off a little bit, so I'm, I yeah. was more David Lee and and Sammy. So I've kind of lost too. touch with what happened after Sammy. I actually took my son to Nashville to see uh, the band back with David Lee Roth, but it was Wolfgang instead of Michael Anthony. But we did get to yeah. see it. He got to see the show, and they played a lot of the old stuff that, you know, you and I listened yeah. to. And I know Benny yeah. didn't. He don't even know but one song, Jump. I mean, I don't get this guy. Yeah. You know, but. <laughs> I got, Michael. Sorry, Benny, I, I'm, I'm rubbing yeah. you, buddy. I'm, I'm on you. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, they were they, they were good good band. And, uh, yeah. hey, yeah. but, you know, it's not, it, it's kind of funny because, 
two lead singers and and, and really three. And, and Roger, you're kind of in the elite company because you played for two different coaches at Kentucky, and not a lot of people can say that. Uh, yes, two great ones, two Hall of Famers. I mean, it Absolutely. was. Uh, I tell people when they ask me about them. Of course, I'd never compare them because Coach Hall gave me the opportunity of a lifetime, and Coach Sutton gave me the season of a lifetime. Both of them have been just tremendous influences on me. They've been great former coaches because all throughout my life, either one of them, both of them have been there for me uh, at certain times in my life to encourage me, to talk to me. They've stayed involved. They've helped me with uh, job opportunities. They've always been there to put calls in on my behalf, whether it be with shoe companies or whatever I was trying to do in life. They both have picked the phone up over the years just to say hello. So it's always it's, – it's, it's easy to talk about Coach Hall. I know there's some fans that, you know, still have some animosity towards Coach Sutton, which I, I understand, and I don't try to argue them out with it because it was time to leave. I was there right in the middle of it. I was a student assistant with Eddie. Could have gone to Oklahoma State with him. Uh, flew out there. He, you know, I spent a lot of time with him the year in between because he did live in Lexington and I decided not to, not to go that route and he ended up hiring, keeping Bill Self, uh, who went on to do great things, but, but both of them are great. And, and the thing is, is that when you played for a guy that you love like that, you, and, and you love your fan base, you understand, you know, you understand the dynamic, but it hurts sometimes when I'm sure the guys that played for Patino and the guys that played for Eddie, I think, you know, they understand. They understand the what happened and and some of those things, uh, but, but I don't think Rick ever did anything while he was the current coach. I thought he did nothing but coach Kentucky up, and it was a great era to be a Kentucky basketball fan. But with going to Louisville and some of the other things, I think it's it's kind of when when coaches make decisions like that, a part of their hurt inside is is that they know it affects the guys that played for them at the schools that they coached inside that family. So, uh, but yeah, you get to play for two great, two great people, two great coaches. Well, Roger, I'm going to tell you, you're, you're a great player and exemplary player at Kentucky. And, and I can't thank you enough. No, Vinny and I feel the same way that we, we consider you family and we hope you feel the same. And it's always a pleasure to have you on the show because we have such a good time and, it seems like we have a lot in common, especially Kentucky basketball. But it, it's always great to have you on, and, and you're always welcome. We love you having you on. We always have a good time and have a lot of laughs. And uh, so thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday to be with us tonight. Hey, yeah, we appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Benny and Lee. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, I've enjoyed following both of you guys. And we have the greatest fans in all of sports. And I'm I'm proud to be a part of the Big Blue Nation, and uh, sit out here and talk ball with. It's just like sitting on our front porch and talk a little bit of Kentucky basketball. So it's always a joy to be with you. You guys do an awful good job uh, because I think anybody that listens to you know the passion that you have for the basketball program and the players and Coach Cal, and that's good. Not other not a lot of schools have people willing to get out and, and take risk on Twitter and on doing a podcast. So I appreciate all that you guys are doing and look forward to listening and following you in the future. 
and uh, appreciate the opportunity. And say hello to any of my Twitter followers that are out there listening. God bless you. I love you. You make my day all the time, and that would include both of you guys. So thank you. All right, thanks thank for coming you, on. And someday we're going to have enough time to get into this Larry Bird story. Every time I have you on, I think I'm going to hear it. <laughs> but we always end up talking yeah. about the cat. Oh, there's a lot to the Larry Bird hey, story. That was a classic. I'm, I'm going to tell you we'll what, guys. I think that's going to be one of those porch beer drinking episodes. <laughs> if we to do that. Okay. Yeah, we got to loosen him up a little bit so he'll tell the whole story, right? <laughs> yes. Well, all right, Roger. Uh, it was a, we won't keep you any longer. We're going to keep you longer. We okay. probably should have. I appreciate you. Okay, thank you, Benny. We'll see y'all. Thank Good night. Uh, Good night, Roger. Well, there you have it, Roger Harden. I hate to say it. Yeah, I know. We're about to wrap it up, brother. He is the uh, go-to guest. (laughs) We love Roger Harden. If you don't like Roger Harden, you don't like us. That's just the way I see it. Man, what I mean, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I know he this uh, epitome of, of great point guard at Kentucky, and just you know, it, it, it's fun talking to somebody that 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 played at Kentucky and and what he did. And man, I it, it's just always fun. Benny, I gotta say, man, it's been a fun show tonight. Yeah, you know, he was touching on Khalil Whitley there. He touched he touched on a lot, but he was talking about Khalil yeah. and. And playing for your team. And, and I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about that. And they said something about playing for the name on the back instead of the front. And I and I said, my quote was that I think the really great ones play for both because you have to play for yourself, but you also have to play for your team because, you know, these guys got a lot to lose when they come here. And, and like Cal always says, you, I can't hide you in Kentucky. <laughs> You're going to be dissected with the best of them when you come here, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know I don't know if it's so much playing for a lot to lose or playing for a lot to win. I think really at Kentucky, I think you're playing for a lot to win because it just the program, the history of the program, and what Calipari is doing there. And and I, I think you have to put things first. And, and Calipari puts such a focus on that. And, and you know, it, it as he always says, it's not for everyone, and Kentucky is not for everyone. And with with the talent they bring in, and this is John Calipari we're talking about, with the talent he brings in, it's it's a lot about sharing and sacrifice. And, and but with that talent, you have to have those guys rise up to the challenge. And it's not always going to be the same guy every night, but you know you're looking for a consistent line every night. And when I talk line, I'm talking the stat line. I mean. Points, rebounds, assists, what they're doing, loose balls, um, it, it goes across the board. And, well, if you get technical you know, about it, though, you got to play for your brother. That's like, like, like you yes, and me doing this. we got to be for each other. Absolutely. And if you play absolutely. for your brother, you're going to benefit from it. Because if you take a look at that 2012 championship team, now Terrence Jones, he would still be in the NBA if not for injury. Anthony Davis, he's probably top five in the NBA. And you got Michael yep. Kidd-Gilchrist, he's still hanging in there. Now, Teague didn't make it, but, you no. know, we all thought Teague took off a little early. I think one more year he would still be in the NBA. I think he needed this. I mean, they talk about developing guys in the G League, but you don't see it very often. 
But I see a lot of guys no. developing in college like Nick Richards. I mean, I think he's made himself a lot of money this year. Yeah, and I think once they go into that G League, I think that the G League and, and then when they start looking at the potential and the new draft class, I think once you go to the G League, I think you're a step down. I think you've got – it's kind of like a hard way to work yourself in. Not unlike the PGA Tour, once you get out and you have to earn your way back in, it's tough. That, that's, a, that's a tough road back in. It, it, it I is like your rattle, man. That's an unpopular opinion, but once you get down there, you really have to go off. And I think there's Taylor worked his way up. There's been a few, yeah. but once you get down yeah, there, you down really have Lincoln. to. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, those two guys, I'm pretty sure, were MVPs of that league, how they got out of there. And, you know, there's only one of those a year, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And it's, yeah. it's hard to get out. But, uh, yeah, I think but, it's funny how basketball th- changes through the years also because he was talking about the aircraft carriers. And I don't know how much you follow the NBA, but here lately, Houston has went to this small ball lineup, and they're killing it. I mean, my God, they're talking yeah. guys like six six, and they're killing it right now. Yeah. That, that's cool. And, and you know, and, and, and Roger alludes a lot to, he uses a lot of military terms in the trenches and things. And, and you're right, Benny, it, it's what you do for your brother. And it, it, it's sacrifice. It's, it's giving it all. I mean, you, you're, you're not going to, you, you don't want to let each other fail. You're out there to succeed as a team and you're willing to sacrifice everything. And, and I've seen it with this team. I, I still believe in this team. I think this team's going to go a long way in the tournament. Yeah, I agree. And I, while we've got time, let's thank everybody for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, we, know, we see the numbers, they go up and down. I know it's probably a lot to do with what's going on with people's lives, but we, we really appreciate that. And then we got shout-outs from Michelle and Nick tonight. <laughs> Excuse me. And we really appreciate you guys because you guys are why we do it. We, we love it when you guys be, become a little less shy and call in, but at the same time, we're happy to have anyone listening, and if you would, you can find us on iTunes, by the way. I don't tell you guys that enough, but we are on iTunes if you want to check out the podcast on iTunes and uh, rate us, you know, give us give us a good rating or, or whatever you think. If you think we suck, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks to Lonnie for his call tonight, and uh, and definitely Roger Harden for being on. And, and, and as always, Benny, it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you and, and do this show with you. And and you are, I mean, I, I told Roger, he's a brother from another mother. You definitely are, and, and, and even beyond. And um, I love you guys, and, and and I couldn't couldn't ask for more. Yeah, and, you know, I think we're on the way. I really do. I think we're on the way to being a really great team, but it's not too long. You know, it's – it's right around the corner. I think EJ's getting there. I think Keon's getting there. And I think Johnny Juthang's getting there. I think it's going to be a great year. Well, I thought you were talking about me and you. And I was like, what the heck, man? We're we're definitely not one and done. We're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> no, we're getting there, too. we got a long way to go. And, uh, we're not we one and done, folks. There, right? <laughs> but, yeah, you're right, Benny. This, this thing's going to be good. And and, and yep. I, I can't wait to see what happens next. Let's go get them this week. We got Vanderbilt, yep. and then uh, here we go. All right. Good night, BB. We'll talk to you all later. Thank you. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.